Welcome to the Rise and Thrive Podcast. My name is Liz Paris. And I'm Christina Cyphers. We're sisters. And we have been on a journey to get unstuck in life and learn tips, tools, and techniques to find more success, love, and happiness. We want to share what we've learned with you to help you move from surviving to thriving. All right, welcome back to another episode of Arise and Thrive. Today, we have our amazing, awesome, and extra wonderful uncle, Michael Barrett, today. He is he's really great in the professional world, but he's also great at a personal level. Um, but just to kind of give you a background on him, he is a psychologist, a clinical trainer. He's a personal um, and con- he's a consultant and author and speaker. And he has worked multiple years with people who have eating disorders. And so he's worked with people and, and their mental challenges, their emotional challenges, um, just of all of those, those challenges that come with the eating disorders. And so he's, he's also done amazing things outside of that. He's done a lot of um, trips to Haiti and done a lot of service work there, just lots of nonprofit work. And um, more personally with us, he was such a huge support to Christina and I and our dad as our dad suffered cancer and all of his treatments and doctor's appointments and all the things. So on a personal level, we just love Mike so much. And then there's so much to to look up to him professionally as well. But Mike, we are so glad you're on today. Thank you so much for coming and being a part of our podcast today. Thank you. Yeah. So today, Mike wants to talk about self-care. And self-care is such a huge thing. Um, Any of us women who are so concerned about everything that's going on around us or any of us men who are dads and providers and we're trying to keep everything together and make it happen for our families, sometimes we're so concerned outside of ourselves of what's going on and, and making things flow for our family, our businesses, and just in life in general. And so it's hard to kind of have that focus of taking care of self. So this is a topic that we're super excited to hear from you today, Michael, and your ideas. I know you've worked with hundreds of people and you know on a very personal level what is helpful to people and what is not helpful when it comes to self-care. So we're gonna turn the time over to you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well. In starting, I just want to say uh, I'm honored to be here and very grateful for the chance. I I don't truly believe in experts. I don't claim to be qualified to speak to anybody. I don't claim expertise. I I think expertise doesn't fit well in the field of mental health, human development and growth because we all know so little. And there's too many people suffering and there's too many people dying from not only physical illnesses, but also mental and emotional illness. So, uh, you know, I don't claim a spot of expertise. I don't, uh, I think it's a little bit of an arrogant stance personally, but, but, uh, but I think that uh, I care and I do have experience 40 years of doing psychotherapy and running uh, healthcare organizations providing treatment. And so 
I'm happy to share what I've learned. Yeah, I think experience is huge. You look at someone who's fresh out of college doing some counseling work versus someone who's been with 40 years of people and experiences, and it's a huge difference. There's a lot of understanding that goes there, and you just have such a big heart for everybody, too. So that's to our advantage. <laughs> Back in the beginning years of my career, and I, first of all, for a while, I kind of felt sorry for my clients. <laughs> the learning curve right (laughs) but then when i look back i also believe that uh, we all do good work along the way we we may not be doing the best work that we can do with the knowledge we have but we're doing good work anyway and i think that's true of parenting as well yeah (laughs) self-compassion too just for where you're at and what level of understanding you have and application right (laughs) I also want to say uh, I really love uh, Liz and I love Christina, their whole family. And uh, I love what they're doing. I love them as as friends. I love them as family. I also love them as professional colleagues and the good things that they're doing in their programs, their podcasts, the Arise and Thrive, the other things that they've been teaching and helping people. Thank you, Michael. We love you too. Great work. Yeah, so, thanks, Mike. so uh, and I just want to say that great, the best thing that, that I can say about myself is I have a beautiful family, uh, extended family, and then uh, I'm married to a wonderful woman named Karen. I have eight beautiful children and they're eight wonderful spouses. So I have 16 sons and daughters and we have 23 granddaughters. So I'm very proud of them and I love them. So on with self-care, let's let's all try to be learners today. Um, Eric Hoffer, one of my favorite philosophers once said, true learners inherit the earth while the learned become beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. So let's try to learn from each other today. And if we'll do that, it'll be a blessing to us and to everyone around us. I wanted to say at the outset that uh, self-care is not selfishness. Uh, A lot of the good people I know and respect, they have a hard time with self-care because they think they're being selfish. And selfishness is against their character. And so, but I just want to remind us, it isn't selfishness. We actually give our best gifts when we're at our best, period. You know, there's been... uh, talk back and forth for centuries about, well, well, I hear people say this all the time. You can't love others until you love yourself. Well, there's a sliver of truth in that, but that isn't completely true. In my opinion, I've met a lot of people who couldn't stand themselves, uh, had a lot of contempt for themselves and really extremely poor sense of self and self-esteem and self-value, who loved people like crazy, and they knew how to love, and their love is incredible, an incredible gift. But I also acknowledge that the more we learn to love ourselves, and self-care is one pathway to loving ourselves more, the more we love ourselves, the more capable we are of loving at our very tip-top ability. 
So let's keep loving before we love ourselves or as we're learning to love ourselves, but let's, let's also recognize our investment in self helps us be the best that we can be. And then we're at the very best of helping people that we love in our lives. So it's a worthy endeavor. Yeah, um, I, Michael, I was just gonna say, um, you know, sometimes people relate your cup level, how full is your cup to kind of how much you've cared for yourself and if you're able to give and love. But I, I had a thought because I try to I try to love myself and take care of myself. But there are times when I am not at my prime and I haven't had the time and all of that. And sometimes I just have to say, OK, just going to go ahead and love anyway, just going to do my best. And something good can come of that, even if I'm not tip top shape, you know. <laughs> so I love what you said. Thank you. Yeah. If we wait till we think our love is as great of a gift as we want it to be, then we're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities for loving people and they're going to miss out too. So. For sure. Really, really agree with you. The other thing is uh, self-care as we do it, we may feel a little selfish. It'll require some boundaries. It'll be require sometimes saying no to others and their needs as we take care of ourselves. But as we do it, we teach others to do the same. So, you know, we're all sitting around trying to teach our students, our clients, our children to take care of themselves while we're not taking care of themselves. Uh, that doesn't work, you know, because our example is the loudest lesson. Yeah, it's not the, cheap, the words that we say, it's how we live our lives. So we need to take good care of ourselves because only then can we teach our family members and other loved ones to do the same thing? So it, it's really, really important. Mike, that reminds well, me. Can I jump yeah, in? Ahead, it reminds me with my kids. I'll be like, why don't, why can't you guys put your shoes away? We guys put your shoes away. And I look around and they have maybe two to three pairs of shoes scattered throughout the house. And then I look at my shoes and I have maybe two to three pairs of shoes scattered around the house. And I'm like, yeah. it hits me Oops. always. Oh, they learned by example. They're watching what their mom does and they're doing the exact same thing. So how can I expect them to put their shoes away if I don't even put my own shoes away? Good, uh, good awareness. <laughs> Not that kind of stuff. And we'll talk more about that, you know, being an example, being congruent, having integrity is one of the best ways to take care of ourselves. So I'm going to talk about that in, in more detail in just a second. So very, very nice point. So, so the first point of, of uh, self-care is take it seriously. You know, don't give it token efforts. Don't give it lip service. Think about how you need to take good care of yourself. Make a list start writing and start implementing some of those things into your life. The next uh, principle of self-care, besides taking it carefully, is integrity. Integrity is the best self-care available. That's the best way to self-care, is have some integrity. Um, our teaching and our lived example must align with each other. Um, and, and I want to share a little story about that really quick. This is a short story by Leo Tolstoy, so don't worry. It's not too long. It's called The Old Grandfather and His Little Grandson. 
The old grandfather became very old and his legs would not carry him. His eyes couldn't see, his ears couldn't hear. He was toothless. When he ate, little bits of food sometimes dropped out of his mouth onto the floor. His son and his son's wife could no longer allow him to eat with them at the table. He had to eat his meals in the corner by the stove. One day they gave him his food in a bowl. He tried to move the bowl closer and it fell on the floor and broke. His daughter-in-law scolded him and she told him that he spoiled everything in the house and broke their dishes. And she said, from now on, you'll get your food in a wooden dish. The man sighed and said nothing. A few days later, the old man's son and wife were sitting in their hut, resting and watching their little boy playing on the floor. They saw him putting together something out of small pieces of wood. His father asked him, what are you making, Misha? The little grandson said, I'm making a wooden bucket. When you and mama get old, I'll feed you out of this wooden dish. The power, as Christina kind of taught us a minute ago, the power of example is so important. Congruence, example, integrity all go together. And, and self, you know, it's hard to have self-respect when we're incongruent, when we don't have integrity. And maybe the best gift we could give ourselves is the gift of self-respect, that we're doing our best. This requires no perfection. And, and, and perfection isn't, isn't the answer to this. It's effort. It's trying. It's having our heart in our, our, the right places. It's making corrections. You know, it's refusing to judge ourselves. Let God be the judge, but not us. But to not judge ourselves, but to learn from our experience and, and say, what can I do next time? How can I improve this? That, that's the avenue to do this. Um, let's see. Um, when I do what I feel is right, it brings inner peace, no matter what the outcome is. It may turn out pretty and it may turn out kind of ugly or difficult or easy, but at the end of the day, if we can say, I did what I thought was the right thing, we can maintain our self-respect and feel good about that. Even if we don't feel good about outcome or feel good about everything else. The willingness to go to the death to tell the truth and to speak our truth. And, and it's also what we do when people aren't watching. When the crowd's not there and the image control is, is not our motive, then how do we live? When no one's around to see what we do and what we say and how we act, that's, that's the expression, true expression of integrity. Um, back to this idea of example for just one moment is, is, is this is a plea that our clients, our students and our children and our friends will have for us. Please take good, of you, good care of you. Then and only then can you take good care of me. I will watch and listen and learn and your example will teach me how to do the same for myself and for others. All righty, the next 
major point, key element of self-care is to live in the present. You've maybe heard this before, presence or living in the present means we're not living in the past and we're not living in the future. Can we go there? Yeah. To the past and the future? Yeah, that's okay. Will it hurt us? No, not unless we spend too much time there. It's okay to go there if we have a specific reason. If we're planning our future, if we're creating a vision, we need to go into the future for a little while. If we're trying to learn from our mistakes or learn from past experience, it's good to revisit the past and refresh our memory for a positive sake. These are conscious decisions. But when we unconsciously find ourselves living in the past or the present for no decent reason, it sucks the life out of our very existence. So I have a little model. It's very rough. It'll be a little hard to see, but I'll try. You can see on this grid across the top, it says past, present, and future. And down on the sides, it says mind and body. You can see in this grid that when our body and our mind are in the same place, we're living in the present. Our body's here and our mind is here. And when our mind is in the past, but our body's in the present, of course, our body's always in the present. But when our mind's in the past and our body's in the present, we're going to have more things like this in our lives, in our minds and hearts. Regrets, guilt, losses, sadness, maybe more of a propensity for depression. We might also have more shame activated in our current life. Now, you can see in this, when, when, the, when our body is in the present, but our mind is in the past, what will we have more of in our lives? Well, we'll have more anxiety. We'll have more fear because we don't get to control the future. The only thing we can control is this moment right now, this moment. And so, like I said, if we spend all of our waking hours in the future, we're going to have a lot of anxiety. We'll feel out of control because we're not in control. Because the only real place that we have control is this moment right here. Only this moment is reality. Only this moment is real. Only this moment exists. Only this moment is where we have power. We have agency. We have choice. We have love. We can feel what we feel. And we can own what we own. So it's very powerful. We need to learn to live in the present. Well, how can we do this? I have a couple of, first of all, it's not bad to have our mind in the past or the future, but it just takes a lot of energy. So if we find our, we're, we're all going to spend a lot of time in past and future, but we can spend a little less time. We do that by recognizing and noticing. If I'm having a lot of anxiety, you could notice where's my mind at? Is it in the future? 
Well, if it is, just come back to the present. No punishment necessary. Just come back here and attend to us. We're together on this little podcast right now. How about being with us? I'll try to be with you and you be with me. We'll be in the same spot together. That's reality. That's presence. So no shame necessary, no punishment necessary. Just come back. Learn to notice and learn to come back. As you, as you notice you're in that place. Another thing that I recommend in living in the present is, is spend a lot of your life off devices. Put that phone away, put that computer away, put those video games away, put social media away and live in the present. Live where you are, where your mind and your body is in the same place. Of course, we can be present on a virtual call like this. And that's okay, too. Another way is let's do less multitasking. I believe that Christine and Liz have already taught all, a lot of us very well about this. That our mind can, is only capable of attending to one thing at a time. What does that mean about multitasking? It's pretend. <laughs> let's be clear. It's pretend. <laughs> This is not your brain <laughs> to all these things at the same time. You, you know what your brain is doing is trading off. It's going here and going there and going here. And every time it goes somewhere else, it's not attending to that. That means there's a lot of holes in our experience. There's a lot of skipped places. There's a lot of things we missed. And what did we miss? Well, I missed out on you. Because I was trying to do this while you were talking to me. Or I'm talking to you and I'm missing out on what's over here. So please minimize and quit glorifying multitasking. It's way overrated. <laughs> I, I prefer and recommend be present 100%. When you're done, then go to something else. And I realized as a mother, as a teacher, as a father, we're going to have to multitask sometimes. But there's a lot of times we don't have to, but we do it anyway. It's a habit. Mm -hmm. So just chop that part out that is that we could take care of and move that out of the way. All right. Enough about that. Uh, the next key principle for good self-care is live a life of engagement rather than, than avoidance. I guess another way to say this is, what are you waiting for? What are you afraid of? What are you avoiding in your life? Why are you avoiding it? What are the obstacles? What's your fear keeping you from in your life? A career move? Telling somebody you really love them? Fixing up your yard the way you want it? What the heck are you waiting for? <laughs> Avoidance is not good self-care because we lose self-respect. We lose, we, lose our, our, um, we lose our motivation. We lose our inertia when we avoid. So one way to take good care of yourself is to just sit down sometime like tonight or this afternoon and write down, what am I avoiding in my life? 
Am I avoiding being rejected? Oh, by rejecting myself first so I can control the rejection? <laughs> Am I avoiding rejection so I won't take, come out of my cave and take a risk? Well, that's rejection self-imposed. Better to take the risk and be rejected than not even try. That's what I always say. So let's put avoid, avoiding. It really doesn't help. The opposite of avoidance is engagement. Just dive in. Do your best. If it doesn't turn out great, so what? Try it again. Do something different. Um, avoidance, <clears throat> there's a great book, uh, an entire lovely book on self-esteem which by uh, Richard Bedner, which teaches that avoidance, low self-esteem comes from lots of different places for many of us. I've struggled with low self-esteem my whole life. I'm finally getting better self-esteem. I'm 67. I'm so excited about that. You know? <laughs> but I've been working on it for a long time. That's awesome. But, but anyway, Richard Pepper <laughs> teaches in his book that one self, low self-esteem comes from lots of different places. By the way, it doesn't come at birth. Little babies and little children's self-esteem is incredibly high. Uh, they haven't been taught anything false to deteriorate their self-esteem yet. That will happen, unfortunately. But they come with self esteem and self-value and self-respect intact. But things happen, then they begin to lose, lose it. But anyways, I'm getting sidetracked here. Back on Bedner's book, he teaches us that avoidance maintains low self-esteem no matter where it comes from. Avoidance maintains low self-esteem. It's the truth. So get clear on what you're avoiding, what you need to face, Make a little plan, take a little step. Don't do all of it at once. Just do one thing at a time. And let's try to quit avoiding. Remember that courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness to take a step anyway, even though we're scared to death. So we don't have to get rid of all our fear. That's completely unnecessary. And actually it's not gonna happen anyway. So. Please, let's not punish ourselves for being scared. I'm scared to death every day of doing it wrong, not being the best that I can be, accidentally hurting people, missing opportunities, being misunderstood, not expressing myself well. But let's just do it anyway. Um, let me tell you of a couple of experiences that we did to help people learned that they can do hard things and face fear. One time at a family reunion, the theme that me and my brother Evan had concocted for our family reunion was called, we do hard things in our Barrett family. That and was so an awesome reunion. <laughs> these opportunities for people to do hard things so that they could have a better and deeper understanding that they can do hard things. They do hard things. And so it was so much fun. But one of the things that we did, it was in a political year, I believe it was when, when Mitt Romney was running for the presidency against Barack Obama. 
we come from a family that's divided politically, probably erring a little more on conservatism <laughs> than liberalism or leftism, I'm not sure. But one of the things we did in that is we asked people to get on a line in a great big room on one end represented their allegiance to Obama and the other was on the other end of the room was their allegiance to Mitt Romney <laughs> and people got on the line. And then we asked people to share a sentence about why they put themselves where they put themselves. And this was them airing their political views in front of the whole entire family. It's <laughs> not scary. I don't know what is. Uh, afraid of hurting people's feelings, afraid of people thinking you're crazy, afraid of being rejected, or people losing respect in you. Uh, um, that's just one example of what we can do to quit avoiding. Speak our mind, tell the truth, tell someone what you believe in. Uh, being engaged is so incredibly important. I want to tell you a little story that has really helped me in my life about engagement. So, I don't know, many years ago, maybe eight years ago or so, I was speaking at a conference up in Alaska and, and on the faculty of the conference with me was Dr. Patch Adams, incredible guy. And, and, and I wasn't speaking with him because I was ranked in quality with him as a speaker, I guarantee it. <laughs> but, but we happened, actually, I was speaking for free and I think I gave a good presentation and he was speaking for, for $25,000 for one hour of his speaking. Oh, <laughs> was he ever worth it? Oh, it was incredible. I love that man. Remember, he's the guy who'd put on the styrofoam nose and get into the lives of children and cheer them up and help them to find some joy and happiness. Anyways, in his presentation, I, was, I had spoken, I sat down, I was sitting in the front row. He was right there near me. He gave his presentation. In his presentation, he showed a video clip of him in an Eastern Bloc country of Europe where he had sent his staff and he told them ahead of time, I want you to go and find the most deformed, ill, sick, downtrodden and rejected people that you can find and bring them to me. And his staff did. And they set up shop on the edge of a beautiful park. And they brought this little girl in a wheelchair. She was deformed and handicapped in many different ways. She was seven years old and her head was hanging down and her arms were like this and she would not look up. And she was like this. And Dr. Adams, she was in her wheelchair and Dr. Adams put on his styrofoam nose. He knelt down on the ground and he got up into her face and he started rubbing his styrofoam red nose on her cheek and talking <laughs> to her in a soft, gentle, compassionate voice. And within about 10 minutes, uh, the, it was said that this girl had not looked up and out for four years. She had not looked at anyone or anything besides down to the ground. 
after 10 minutes of talking to her, she looked up and she looked out and she started crying tears of joy. And she could see the birds in the park and the trees and the apartment buildings on the other side. And tears of joy were streaming down her cheeks. And um, Dr. Adams talked about his experience and what it felt like for him to see her come alive again. And anyways, so after he was done speaking, it was beautiful. He, he does beautiful work. And after a speech, there's this guy in the audience during the question and answer period who said, hey, Dr. Adams, you know, he's standing at the mic, you know, out on the floor. Hey, Dr. Adams, what do you do after all that hard work if you can't make them laugh or smile? And for some reason, that question really ticked Dr. Adams. It ticked him <laughs> off. He was so upset and frustrated at that question. So he went to the edge of the stage and he started going like this. If that guy would have been standing on the stage, he would have been thumping him on the chest. And he said to that guy, he said, listen, it's not my job to make people laugh or smile. It's my job to get engaged in their life. Just get engaged in their life. Just quit avoiding and get engaged. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to create anything. You don't have to control anybody's life. It's our job to give somebody a little opportunity. You know, that hit me like a freight train. I reflected back when he said that on all the clients that I had helped who didn't flourish the way I had hoped they, they would, who maybe didn't take advantage or somehow maybe I didn't connect with them the way I needed to to help them as well as I would have liked to. That's my, not my job to control outcome. They're free agents. They have agency. It's their life, not mine. It's my job to get engaged and to do the very best that I can. And that's one way we can take great care of ourselves is to get engaged and don't hold back. And we can help other people in the process. Thanks for listening to my long story. I appreciate it. That's a good one. <laughs> next next uh, key element in self-care is uh, living a balanced life. This one is certainly not easy. <laughs> but, but I would like to suggest this. A balanced life precedes spiritual harmony. I believe in spiritual things. I believe in spirituality. I believe that we are spiritual beings. We're physical and mental and emotional and social and relational and we're spiritual and that we must feed all of that of ourselves not only ourselves but other people too and if we leave one of those pieces out we're, we're fractionating people we're treating part of them instead of all of them i believe that that's important a balanced life gives us an opportunity to experience spiritual harmony in our lives. 
And I believe that's a true principle. I've seen it with thousands of clients over all of these years that I've been working. So let's talk a little bit about balance. You know, that's one of the problems with addictive addiction, pornography addiction, workaholism. That's one of the greater tragedies of being caught in a serious eating disorder is that when we're in a compulsive or an addictive process, it's really hard to maintain a balance in our lives because the compulsion or the addiction takes over and it gets big and everything else gets smaller. And all of a sudden that's the bigger part of our life. Even to the point where we might even start believing that's who we are, which is very sad, but a natural development in an addictive process. It's not true, but that's what we think is true. So how can you have a balanced life? Well, one way to have balance in our lives is to have decent boundaries. And so I ask each of you to think for a second, how, how are you doing on your ability to say no? Does that work in your life? I thought about this a lot yesterday, well, <laughs> two days ago. My son came over. I hadn't seen him for a while. My son came over with their two kids and they were out in the back and we were uh, just talking in the backyard. Nice visit. One of my really good friends, professional friends from New Jersey calls me on the phone. I haven't talked to him for a year and a half. Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm, I'm approaching retirement stuff. Can I talk to you for a little bit about that? I know you retired. How did you do that? What was that like? How did you get through that? So he started talking to me and, and after about 15 minutes, the conversation, you know, I walked away from my family and the conversation didn't end. It didn't slow down. He's a great talker. We're great friends. We had a trillion things to catch up on. Finally, after about 20 minutes, it was really hard for me to do this because I really love this guy. But I said to him, hey, Andrew, guess what? I'm so sorry to do this to you, but you know what? My family's here. My son and his wife and the kids are here and I need to be with them right now. They just came over to visit and I want to be with them. So I'm so sorry, but I got to end our phone call. So can we talk again, you know? During the week, let's set an appointment. I'd love to talk to you. That was really hard. I didn't want him to think things about me that weren't true, like I don't care about him, that I don't have time for. Just a little boundary. But if we don't have boundaries, then we're not taking care of ourselves. Uh, how does this relate? It relates to everything. Relationships, time energy, tasks. How about sexuality? Have you ever heard of this saying that if you can't say no, then you can't say yes in sexuality? Think about that. If you don't know how to say no, then you can't be saying yes because you have to take care of yourself. It's so important. And I realize some people have had experiences where they didn't get to vote on taking care of themselves. And that's abuse and exploitation and that's trauma. And some people have been victims of that horrendous 
act of other people. But as we can have boundaries, as we learn boundaries, as we gain strength, we have to be able to do that in all of the areas of our lives the best that we can. To say no and to say yes and to recognize whose body is this? Whose life is this? Whose time is this? It's mine. It's not anyone else's. I share me as I see fit. And maybe for those religiously oriented, and I share it as God prompts me to share it. But nobody else gets to decide, you know. So boundaries are important. Internal boundaries are all about responsibility. And whose is what? Whose responsibility is this? And whose responsibility is that? That's internal boundaries. When we start taking responsibility for people's lives that we have to fix them and do this and make them do this and control that, that's a big boundary problem. And then there's external boundaries like, oh, you know what? I got to go. Or, oh, you know what? Hate to tell you, but it's time for you to go. Hey, listen, I got, I got something on. Does that sound mean? It's our time. It's our energy. It's our home. It's our yard. It's our place. It's our family. It's our bodies. It's our... It's our life. We have to be able to and be willing to manage that. It's so important. One of the biggest areas where people can have boundary problems is, is in work. I know this because I'm a workaholic. I have addictive pieces to my personality. And uh, I can honestly say I worked more than I should have in my life. I'm not proud of it. I'm also trying real hard not to punish myself for it. I did. I thought I was doing the best I could and making good decisions, providing for my family. But 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 I will say this about that: um, all of you who are working and trying to be with your family and your friends, people that you love, whether it's part time, whether it's official whether it's avocation, whether you're making money, whether it's just what you love to do, just keep this in mind and extrapolate it to your life. There's an old saying that says, in the autumn and the winter of our lives, no one, no one will ever say, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. No one. So I suggest in the spirit of boundaries, in the spirit of balance, in the spirit of self-care, don't let things that are not quite as important become bigger in your life than things that are more important. And you get to decide what's most important for you. Uh, I just throw out as, as one example, maybe not the right example for you, but my relationship with God, my spirituality, and my relationship with my wife and children, my family, my friends, that's the most important thing. That's the most important thing above anything. So we can all ask ourselves, is my life in congruence with that? Do I have integrity around that? 
Am I practicing what I preach? Am I living by example or leading by example? I, it's this balancing act. We all have to keep doing it, you know? Is, is what I invest in the most eminently important in my life? And, and there's other things important in our life too that we can look at, that, like our dreams, our passion our purpose. Are those things getting time and energy also in our, our lives? Uh, one of the good reasons for staying in the present, because we have more power. We have more power to do those things that are more, more important to us. So I suggest a couple things. Simplify your lives. That's a boundary issue is make your life more simple. You know, maybe if your kids are involved in five things, chop it to three. <laughs> I don't know. You can't do everything. I know you're trying to do everything for yourself. I think, I your think COVID was a really good, um, a good teacher for all of us about simplifying and kind of bringing it into family and, and less activities and more togetherness time. So now we've all had that, I guess, training. <laughs> now we get to apply it, even if we're not having the COVID restrictions we did before. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't bounce back quite so fast into our old lifestyle, right? Yeah. Take what we've learned and hold on to the piece of it that's going to bless us the most. And for sure. And bring the rest of our lifestyle back in, you know, that serves us. So that's a great warning. I think you just gave us all. <laughs> and I appreciate it. A great consideration. One thing that I did in my life was uh, at one time I started this probably 25 years ago in my career that, you know, I would make my own schedule on paper and then eventually in the computer. And what I would put at the end of the day was in my appointment planner, I put these words in capital letters every single day for 25 years. Done slash promise. Done slash promise. It, it was this message, don't you dare schedule anything in that. Don't you dare schedule anything in that time. It's time for you to go home. You made a promise to your wife and your family to spend some quality time with them. Don't you dare. And, and I can tell you those capital letters. Now, did I always do that perfectly? No, I did not. But those capital letters saved me hundreds of times, thousands of times from scheduling one more thing into the evening when I could have and should have been with my family. So there were times where I deliberately and consciously said, no, I crossed out, done promise, said, no, I got to be here. I got to do this. So, but that sure helped me. It helped me a lot. Awesome. Okay. So should we talk about, maybe we could talk about one more thing real quick. Yeah. Um, so many great ideas. I love it. Um, uh, let's talk about this one. Um, it's a long little title. Let me read it to you. Make self-care a broad stroke 
of commitments, actions, routines, and rituals. Create a schedule and create personal traditions. So, you know, we've been living in a world of uncertainty and, and, and unpredictability. Uh, people have been losing loved ones. People have lost jobs. Um, we still don't know what's going to happen with this current pandemic that we're in. The long-term effectiveness of vaccines, the, the long-term outcome of all of this is kind of unknown still, even though I, I agree we're making so much great progress. It's very hopeful and very lovely what's happened. But one way to create certainty and predictability in our lives is to create a schedule, uh, a routine that we do, that we control, that other people don't get to control. It, it can be so important. Um, how, how are you doing on being your own best friend? How are you being, being on being your own best mom and dad? When others aren't around to take care of you, are you going to take care of you? Are you going to watch out for you? Are you going to brush your teeth? Are you going to exercise? <laughs> are Take you your vitamins. <laughs> are you going to eat, eat well and nourish yourself rather than undereat or overeat? It's up to you. And, and you may need help with some of those things. It's up to you whether to reach out for help too. How are you doing in that? And, and in exercise, it's more about movement than anything else. It's about getting up. It's more about doing what you love, not doing what you hate. The best exercise is not making yourself do what you hate every day. <laughs> finding what you love and doing that every day. You know, that works a little better. It has more longevity more staying power in your life if you do what you love. Uh, are you assuring that you get enough sleep? And if you can't sleep, are you getting help for that? Do you have, do you have trauma? Do you have anxiety? Do you have sleeping problems of any different type? Are you getting help for it? We'll get help. You need at least seven and a half hours every single day. If you're an adult and if you're a child, you need more than that. So get your sleep. You know, it's pretty simple, but it's so important. How about uh, vacation? How about time away? How about turn, tuning off? How about escaping work for a little while? It, you need it to keep your sanity. Do it. I've had lots of employees work for me who bragged about how many vacation days they had saved up. I'm like, take a vacation, take your vacation. I'm not commanding it, I'm asking you, take a week off, get out of here. You know, I, I, I want them to take care of themselves and their families, first of all. And if they do that, then they'll be better at work anyway. Like, it's, oh, just, it's just good care. How about solitude? How about solo time? How about reflective time in the mountains, in the desert, getting away from people, pressure, society, 
finding the beauties of nature and finding the beauties of internal quiet and solitude is a great way to self-care. That might be doing that in your yoga room and it might be being alone out in the wilderness for just a little while. And on the spiritual side, not that I'm pushing any brand of spirituality, which is I'm not, but there's a couple quotes I really like that might mean something to you too. There's a scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. And maybe part of the message is it is by being still that we give ourselves an opportunity to find out who God is. But we won't learn too much about that in chaos and noise. I believe that's just me. The world according to Mike. I don't bear all truth. And you know that. And here's one more. Mother Teresa, I love this. God speaks to us in moments of silence, is what Mother Teresa taught. And uh, whether you believe in a, in a theistic spirituality or not, or whether nature's your spirituality, maybe it's good to go out in nature and hear what Mother Nature has to say. And has to it, that's such a huge one for me. Uh, we just got back from a little trip and. I did some yoga in the morning all by myself outside next to these amazing rocks. And afterwards I just sat there and it was so quiet and so peaceful. And, and there is something about getting away from it all and being in a very relaxing, quiet environment. It's so soothing and comforting the soul. I think it's really important, especially with our busy lives and especially for us that live, you know, in cities and in neighborhoods by people and we're with, other people so true and and you know part of that i think is you know maybe the opportunity to get in touch with your spiritual source whatever that is but part of it also is it's giving you a chance to get in touch with you yeah to be quiet enough to listen to your own heart to listen to your own mind to listen to your own soul to to get in touch with again what do i need what do I need to do? What's great about me? What am I proud of? Yeah. Uh, what, have I, what have I learned this week or today? I mean, just all of those things that we don't make time for because our life's a little too chaotic and we're yeah. just trying to survive. Well, you've given us so many good things to think about today. I mean, I've been taking notes and I'll put some, you know, in the show note episode, but Self-care is huge. And I think the more time that we spend on ourselves, like you said at the beginning, the more we'll be able to help others. And I think that that is so important that we first take care of number one. <laughs> I agree. So but my, my thoughts, and I'll, I'll prepare to wrap, wrap this up. And but I appreciate what you said, Christina. Uh, if if we, when we think about scheduling our lives and, and creating structure and routine, I'll just say this, um, structure creates success. If you write it down, it might happen. If you create a schedule, if you put it in your schedule, it's way more likely to happen than if you don't. And, and if we have a little bit of success, it increases our hope. It increases our belief in ourselves and 
the understanding that we really can do it. And if we, if our hope increases, it, it increases our motivation, it increases our willingness to hard work, to do the hard work, and then we can achieve our goals. So structure is the beginning of success. It's the beginning also of recovery and healing. It's the beginning of becoming who we might be. We have to have structure and we get to create it ourselves. And that structure can be permeable. It, it doesn't have to be rigid, it shouldn't be rigid. Uh, one, one famous religious leader that I respected very much, her name was Barbara Smith, and she once said this. She said this about God's commandments. They're not sticks to beat us with, they're stars to guide us. <laughs> and, and, and it's the same with our schedules. It's the same with our plans. It's the same with the structure we put around us and wrap around us in our lives. It's not sticks to beat us with. They're not made to be rigid, but they're guides. They guide us. And if we honor them most of the time and adjust as we have to and be flexible, they will bless our lives in a wonderful way. As we do these things in self-care, I really believe that we'll have more sense of control in our lives. I think we'll have a greater opportunity of having more joy. We'll have a better quality of time with ourselves and with the, the people that we love. And, and by the way, um, <laughs> quality of time cannot happen without at least some amount of quantity of time. So let's not cop out by not doing the things we really need to do and just say, well, I'll give it quality time. That also requires a little bit of quantity of time. Yeah. But as, as we do these things, we'll, we'll be caring for ourselves better as Christina just taught us just a second ago. And as we take care of ourselves better, we'll be more available to take care of other people. And um, I got through about 40% of my ideas about self-care. I have more, maybe I'll have another opportunity to talk with you all about self-care some more, but so far, I just wanna say how grateful I am for the chance to discuss these things, share a few things that have blessed some of my clients, definitely blessed me in my life and my family. And I hope that you'll take at least one of these ideas and see if it can help you. If, if it clicked with you, if it touched your heart, please write it down. What's most important to write down is not the things that you find interesting. It's the things that hit you as something you need to do or something that might help you. Write those down and then find a way to follow through. Anyways, uh, Christina, Liz, thank you. I love you. I'm grateful yeah. for the chance and I'll sign out and I wish the best to everyone listening. May God bless you all that you may know how wonderful you are and take a few things and implement them into your life and maybe you'll find a little bit more joy. Thank you so much. Definitely. Thank, Thank you, you so much Mike. for coming on. And we would love to have you on again to hear the rest of what you say for um, you know, another episode on self-care. All right. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Um, do we have an oops moment from you, Mike? Do you have something, a moment that was kind of maybe silly or embarrassing at the time, but now we can laugh about it? <laughs> think well one of my friends uh one of my friends switched up an appointment 
that I had without giving me a reason. I found myself kind of being upset about that. And I thought, well, if he's going to change my life, he at least ought to tell me why. <laughs> why? <laughs> and then later I decided that's kind of an immature, selfish stance to take, you know? It doesn't matter why, if he needed to change it, then if it's a good enough reason for him, it should be a good enough reason for me. And I don't even know have to, have to know what it is. So I, I, I've been telling myself, Mike, get over yourself. <laughs> big deal. Forget about it, man. Readjust your mindset, huh? <laughs> you know, keep your mind focused on what is important instead of these piddly things that really, truly do not matter. So that's a noops moment for me. I catch myself with stuff like that all the time. Uh, I'm still trying to become, uh, as as uh, George Eliot said, it's never too late to become who we might have been. So I'm really trying to embrace myself the way I am right now and, and uh, enjoy myself, laugh at myself, correct myself and make changes. I'm also trying to become who I can become, uh, who I might become. So I'm trying to striving to, to work at myself and, and be more and more the kind of person I'd really love to be. And I'm, I'm trying to do both those things all at the same time. So far it's working out okay. And I, I believe if all of you work at it too, we can all do this thing together feel better about who we are while we're still growing and becoming uh, closer to our capacity, our destiny, you know, who we might be. And that's pretty hopeful and that's pretty exciting for me. So there's my oops right. moment, one out of a thousand this week. I think. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. We love you and we look forward to hearing from you again soon. You. Love you too. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Are you ready to make forward movement in an area of your life? Relationships, money, organization, health, or happiness? We want to help you get the results you have always wanted and the happiness that you are worthy of. And so we have started a movement to support you in making these positive changes in your life. Arise Now is the best place to start when you are ready to get better results in life and you want positive support, effective tools, and strong motivation to make it happen. And that's why we started our movement, Arise Now. Arise Now is a supportive, fun, three-month-long program where you will learn tools, techniques, and mindset shifts to move forward in your relationships and goals. In Arise Now, you will have the support to set and accomplish three personalized goals. You will receive 12 valuable one-hour live training. Enjoy daily accountability and enjoy a safe, supportive community to start arising and thriving now. Visit ariseandthrivelife.com today and register so that you can get all the support, training, and accountability to start arising and thriving in your life.